Sunday Takeaway with Sunil Badami. a name. We've all got one, and whether we like our name or not, it's got a story. Hi, I'm Sunil Badami. It's great to have your company again on Sunday Takeaway on ABC Local Radio. Every episode, we share fascinating stories with the country's best storytellers. And this week, we're naming names and finding out the stories, people and places behind them. Well, when I was a kid, I hated my name. It was always mispronounced. Sunel, Sunil, Senile, whatever. So I changed it to Neil, much to my mum's horror. And when she found out, she told me that it was Sanskrit for the breeze that blew the snow off the great god Shiva's head on Mount Everest at sunset every thousand years on his birthday. So I ended up becoming really proud of my name, no matter how many people made fun of it or mangled it. But years later... When my wife and I were thinking about what to call our kids, I discovered its real meaning. Stick around and I'll tell you what it was. Falling from the western slopes to find yourself alone again. That's Beth Orton with her biggest hit, She Cries Your Name, from a 1996 album, Trailer Park. Well, today... I'm thrilled to have two of my favourite takeawayers back for Second Helpings. We've got 91.7 ABC Coast FM brekkie presenter Bern Young, who you might remember talking about her wedding plans on our third episode, Marriage, and award-winning presenter and producer Ginger Gorman from 666 ABC Canberra, who you might remember from one of my favourite ABC local radio shows, The Emporium, and our fourth episode, Eccentrics. Hi, Bern. Hi, Ginger. Hello, Hello. Sunil. Hello, Ginger. Hi, both of you. Lovely to be here. How's the wedding planning going, Bern? I haven't even thought about it since we we last talked, Sunil. It's a very long engagement. Don't worry, we've got time to get that chapel on the sea. (laughs) Now, Ginger and Bern, we're tackling the big questions today. We're naming names. What's your middle name? And do you like it, Ginger? I'm pretty lukewarm about my entire real name. I'm Claire Jane Gorman, but everybody calls me Ginger. And I just think Jane, sorry to all the Janes out there, but I think it's dull. I think it's mediocre and dull. And that's a portion of our audience we're wishing all the very best for today. <laughs> well, I am a Jane. I think I'm coming from the privileged position of having the name. I think I can fairly insult other Janes. Yeah, you are one, so you can say that because you are one. I think so. Okay. And what about you, Bern? Have you got a middle name? Yeah, well, my full name is Bernadette Rose Young. And if I throw my confirmation name in there as well, it's Bernadette Roseanne Young. And I chose Anne on purpose because at that point I hated Rose so much. And this is just one of those stupid kid things. I thought if I change it to Roseanne, I might be able to change it to Roxanne. And that sounds really cool. Bernadette Roxanne Young. Uh, but I never did do that. And in fact, I, I've really come to love the middle name of Rose. But in fact, I almost could have been a Rose. Apparently, after 
um, my mum had me, my dad came in and was saying that he wanted to call me Rose, as in the Rose of Lima, I think it was. Mum misheard him and thought she was saying, he was saying Rosalina. And she thought, Rosalina? No, 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 no. Oh, what's your other option? He said, Bernadette. Oh, we'll, we'll go with Bernadette. You can make that other one the middle name. <laughs> and then later she realised, oh, Rose would have been lovely. So, um, you know, probably should have these conversations before women give birth because you never know what they're going to say afterwards. <laughs> yeah. You don't want your child to be called, get away from me. <laughs> don't ever come near me again young. <laughs> I, um, well, until I was 10, I thought my name was Shut Up You. <laughs> As it turns out, my middle name, I, I feel really sick telling you this because yes, I Neil. hate my middle name. My middle name is Vikas. Yes, sick ass, big ass, all of it. And when I found out what the meaning of my middle name is, it's blowy. Blowy. You mean like, as in windy? Yes, I don't know. Blow hard, blowy. I don't know. But uh, Sunil, this is interesting because I've I've done a bit of research and I've also presented stories on names here in Canberra. And some people complain when their name is too common because they think no one pays attention, but others complain when their name is too hard to pronounce or too unusual. So what do you reckon? Well, it's, we'll be talking to someone about the difficulties of having an unpronounceable name. And in fact, the alphabetical discrimination, who knew it existed? But we'll be talking to someone a bit later about that. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. My mum did tell me this story about my name, you know, that it was Shiver and Thousand Years at Sunset. And I thought, well, that's a lot of meaning to pack into five letters, but I'm happy with that. You know, I was really glad that I had an unusual name. Weirdly, though, it's only unusual in Australia. Because I ended up did I, en- I ended up meeting some more Sunil Badamis in India, but we'll talk about that a bit later too, Ginger. Because you also had the same experience. I did. I have met another Claire Gorman in very weird circumstances. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, let's talk to. This song oh, before, have Bernadette? I listened to that song? Are you kidding me? I love that four top song. It made my name cool for once. You oh, know, there how aren't awesome. who who knew that you could make Bernadette sound so cool in a song. Uh, I love that four top song. I'd play it all the time if my name wasn't Bernadette because I feel like that's a little. You know, you can't do that when your name is Bernadette and then you come off the back of the song saying, and that's a song all about me. <laughs> I know. My my um, wife loves that song. She's got a great name, April. She was also born in April. And I know from all the names I got called at school that there is a song out there with my name in it that also rhymes with banana peel. <laughs> Unfortunately, oh, not unreal. <laughs> Yeah, well, my name, um, can I just go back to something you were just saying before about alphabetical discrimination? I know that that exists because with a surname of Young, you always end up with sort of at the end of the alphabet situation. And I had a huge fight with one of my teachers at school because they decided that all the English classes were too big and they were going to create a new English class. And they basically just whacked the back of the alphabet off every class and then threw them all in together. But it was a really bizarre mix of people 
and all different kind of Normally, if you were good at English, you were in class with a bunch of other people who were good at English. And so here I am. I have this massive fight with this teacher about alphabetical discrimination. They didn't take me out of the class, but they did ask me to join the debating team. <laughs> oh, well, that's... You know, I knew a kid at school. His surname was Watts, and his parents changed his name to Buchanan Watts so he could go up higher in the list. It's a very strange phenomenon because you sort of think it can't... It can't be real that alphabetical discrimination can affect your success and affect the way you behave. But actually, the more I looked into it, the more it's true. There's a British guy called Professor Richard Wiseman who looked at 15,000 people who, and depending on their name, got them to rate their success. And in fact, people at the beginning of the alphabet felt more successful in all aspects of their life. Can Isn't you that believe that? Isn't that weird? I just find that so strange that your name can actually affect your whole life. Uh, Mr. AAA Aardvark, Locksmith, <laughs> does so well. <laughs> now, that is so true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Now, getting back to your story, Burn, you, now, this episode was almost made for you, wasn't it? Because if you're not on the Gold Coast, Burn has a regular segment on her brekkie show called What's in a Name, featuring the origins of many Gold Coast landmarks. How did you become interested in the names of these Gold Coast landmarks? I think I've always been interested. I w- I'm one of those pathetic people who looks at plaques when you're going on a walk. It takes a long time to go on a walk with me because I will stop and read the plaque that's underneath the name. I want to know why this thing is called this, you know. And it's all o- it would be all over Australia. But here on the coast we have a particular um, style of doing it. It's always some logs. You could almost sit on it like it's a park bench almost and then almost an indentation of the person's name. So um, whatever it would be in, in a park uh, and or it could be even be a street name. And I would think, who are these people? You know, what did they contribute to the city in order to get such a great thing, which is a park named after them? Or sometimes it's even just a park bench. I guess it's curiosity, pure curiosity. Well, for example, you've got local, um, you know, personalities or people who have helped build the mm. Gold Coast. Like, uh, is it local politician Eric Gavin? Well, there you go. See, now you've said Gavin. And heaps of people do say Gavin. It's G A V E N, mm. but it's Gavin. It's definitely Gavin. And I mean, he's actually goes back quite a long time, uh, where he was around in the I think it was nineteen oh, sixties and seventies. Better get my better get that right. But he was a, a state politician. He was also a landowner. I spoke to his daughter Norma Millard. She was so lovely. You know, this is the other thing I love about what's in a name. You get out of the studio, you go and have a cup of tea with people, and you basically get oral history from pe- from from the horse's mouth, from the people who've lived on the Gold Coast for years and years and years, and the Tweed Coast as well. They've got some great stories of shipwrecks that are you know in um, parks that are named after shipwrecks and that kind of thing. There's just so many great stories out there and you wouldn't know it because you just drive through a suburb like Gavin and think, oh, is this called Gavin or Gavin and blah, blah, blah. And yet there's an entire story behind it and the person who owned the land, who made differences to the community and I don't know, I just get into that. So does she live in the suburb named after her dad? Is she a Gavin maven? (laughs) No, (laughs) she lives at Southport, but not too far from Gavin. (laughs) So who was Christine of Christine Avenue? Oh, this is one of this is one of my favourites, and yet it's so simple, Sunil, because some people would say, you know, you know, yeah, Christine Ave, whatever. But to meet the Christine of Christine Avenue was one of my favourite moments because she's just an ordinary Queenslander. She doesn't actually live here on the coast, but she grew up on the Gold Coast, and 
they were selling the old family home and I happened to notice it on one of the real estate websites. And just in there was one line that said, uh, house on the corner of Jones Street and Christine Avenue, both of which are named after members of the family. And of course, you know, being in radio, I was like, cha-ching, cha-ching, what's in a name? I'm going to find out what this one is. And um, and so I got to sit down and I met the Christine of Christine Ave. This is Christine of Christine Ave telling us the story of her street. It was my third birthday, the day he was laying the concrete for the rink and Dad, Mum had given me three pennies with the year of my birth, 1951. So I took them down to Dad and said, could you build the rink for me? He said he would, of course, and he put the pennies into the entrance to the rink and everyone had to skate over them and then wanted to know what the pennies were about and Dad would say, see that little girl there teaching people to skate? They're about her. (laughs) So you're just a three-year-old. Your dad knows that the skating rink's going to be popular. He thinks the street should be surfaced. The council doesn't want any part of it, and he says, well, I'm going to you know, dig into my own pocket, but only if you let me change the name. How come it was Christine and not one of the others? Actually, I don't know, probably because I was the baby. (laughs) (laughs) And he decided that seeing as I asked him to build a rink, that the street should be named after me. I don't really know. (laughs) A lot of your siblings have names and um, streets named after them. In fact, Bonnie is sitting here at the table with us as well. Um, Yvonne Court is yours. Didn't it become quite the thoroughfare that Christine Avenue became? What do people say when you say, you know, Christine Avenue, that's named after my sister? What do they say? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I said, well, I've got Yvonne Court over there. And they go, yeah, okay, yeah. I said, no, Dad was a developer and he owned all this land. And they go, oh, really? Then they start believing because then when you rattle off Joey, Katie Court, David, Kevin, Anthony, everyone, then they think, oh, I've heard of those streets. You are right. Okay, fine. (laughs) It sounds a pretty grudging acceptance. Fine. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) She tells it like it is, Bonnie. I loved her. Loved sitting down and meeting Bonnie. So what kind of street is Christine Avenue and how did you find yourself there? Well, it's now it's a major thoroughfare. So at that point when she's talking about it being renamed and there's this, um, the Miami Rollerdrome is what it was. And a lot of people growing up in uh, on the Gold Coast in the 50s, 60s and even into the 70s, I'm pretty sure, would have skated there. And... So it was just a it's a dead end. It was a cul-de-sac, but it just got longer and longer and longer because it ended up kind of feeding an east-west um, corridor, really, of some of the fastest-growing suburbs on the Gold Coast as the Gold Coast was growing more in the south and then in the west. So out to places, if anyone knows the Gold Coast, out to places like Rabina and Varsity Lakes and through some of the busiest uh, suburban areas as they were growing. And so, you know, Christine Avenue will always turn up in traffic reports now. And yet it started out as this little tiny cul-de-sac named after a little girl by her dad. In Sydney, I wonder where Lawrence Street is. Oh, that's right, he's um, retired now. <laughs> this is Tanil Badari on ABC Local Radio. Hasn't she got a great... She's got a great name. That's my little daughter, Maya. My wife actually chose the names. So cute. Burn, your kids have got great names. Well, they have unusual names, I suppose, in a way. John Quill is my daughter, named after the flower, John Quill. I figured if there were all these roses and lilies and that kind of thing out there, we could have John Quills, cheap and cheerful as they were, that I used to buy all the time. And uh, my son probably has the stranger name. And again, it has, well, more unusual, not strange. But um, And anyone who has ever read Macbeth would know this one, Banquo. 
the ghost in Macbeth. That's my that's my son. <laughs> so when you um when you have your if you have a third child, will it ha- will, you, will it have a qu a q u in the name? Don't even need to think about that. There ain't no third child in the family. <laughs> I was about and to say that's be. a bad idea. <laughs> we chose we chose our names because I felt really sad that um in our Indian names, you know, four thousand years of Sanskrit names. Um, of often dodgy meaning would somehow be lost, you know, if my kids didn't have them, you know, they'll probably marry, may not marry Indians, probably won't. So my wife, April, chose our daughter's names. How did you choose your names, Ginger? Because your husband, Don, is Filipino. Did you kind of come to a consensus or did you get first choice? I can tell you there was a stand-up fight about the kid's last name, uh, which is always an interesting about, I wanted them to be Gorman's. But he's got this cool last name, which is Gomez. And uh, he was quite shocked when I wanted them to be Gormans. But in any case, he won that fight. So they are, in fact, Gomez's. Really? Isn't that but- interesting? Because I wanted to I, – I wish – I knew people who had – the fathers had, had given the mother's name to the children. And I had no – I didn't even compute for me. And if I'd realised that, I would have definitely done that to, for my wife because our family name is made up. My grandfather made it up. See, I think I think it's a hard one. I've kept my own surname. I kept my own surname when I married, but the kids is a difficult one because there's still the assumption most of the time that they'll take the father's name. And Don was so shocked when I said to him, "What about Gorman?" And he said, "Oh, I've always wanted kids with my last name." And I said, "What makes you think I haven't wanted kids with my last name?" You know, and, so and anyway. then Ginger, did you put Gorman somewhere in there? Is yes. it on the birth certificate? Yeah, so they've got Gorman in the middle. So you know, it's okay. I'm, and are I've, they? I've but they're not officially it. hyphenated, though. They're not Gorman. No, Gorman. yeah, because I think the hyphen is a whole other. Yeah, I know, know, that's another discussion. Yeah, oh, that's a whole other takeaway. Difficulty, but <laughs> yes, that's right. But Elsa, my oldest daughter, is actually named after my grandmother and. Uh, and also my uh, husband's mother is Elsie, so we kind of, yeah. And you, She'd and be and so cool right now because of Frozen. I was about to say. <laughs> she, she, she is so hot right now. I know. And Elsa. In, yes, and in fact, when I named her, I'd never, ever met another one, and I've since met a few, and then the movie came out, so I yeah. thought she was really individual. Elsa's one of the heroines of the blockbuster Disney movie Frozen. But I bet mm. you there's a lot of boys called Olaf who have another reason to hate their parents right now. <laughs> well, yeah. you know what? I was on the um, internet and there's a society known as the Cabellarians, founded by one Alfred Parker in Canada in the 1930s. And they analyse your name. So your first name of uh, Bernadette, being analytical and naturally studious, you're interested in a factual understanding of the mysteries of life. So true. One of your greatest salvations is being out of nature, for it is there that you find the peace and serenity you so much desire. I'd agree with that. But if your name is Burn, the activities or tasks you enjoy the most allow some form of creative or artistic expression. (laughs) Oh, both of those fit you, Burn. And you will never tolerate a situation where your individuality is curtailed. I don't know about that artistic one. Just the other day I was doing some arts and craft with my six-year-old and I Facebooked it to my sisters, just to my sisters, not to the whole world. And they said, oh, John Cole's getting along really well with her art and craft. And I just went, that's not Johnny's, that's mine. 
That was mine. But you're creative. <laughs> Wait a minute, Ben. You are very creative in your radio making. Hang on a minute. Sure, sure. That's a, that's a different type of creativity well, to art. Ginger, Ginger. Yes. You seek change, travel, new opportunities, and new challenges. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You could organise the work of others, though, in your impatience to see the job done efficiently, you would likely step in right in and do it yourself. Oh, control freak. That is a possibility. I'm not going to confirm or deny. Now, it only works if your name's Ginger, but if your name was Claire, because you're, as you mentioned at the start of the show, your real name is actually Claire, well, expression comes naturally to you, Claire, and you're rarely at a loss for words. In fact, you have to put forth effort at times to curb an overactive tongue. <laughs> That's definitely oh. you, Ginger. <laughs> That is so you. So, Although I have disowned the name Claire, but yeah, I can't really confirm or deny that either. <laughs> no, I think we can confirm that. You, you, you work in radio. Come on, everybody knows I know. we're chatterboxes. Never short, never short of uh, words. I really want to know when and how you changed to Ginger. I know you've got, you're, you've got that question lined up to ask Sunil, but I can't wait any longer. I want to oh, know the story behind changing your name because it's, it's such not a actually big that interesting. Thing. No, that's the problem. Well, in fact, do you have I red was, hair, Ginger? I don't have red hair, no, really? and people are shocked when they meet me because, you know, in radio, people always have this weird thing that they say when they meet you and they say, you don't look anything like what I thought, which I'm not quite sure what that means if it's an <laughs> insult or a compliment. But anyway, um, people always say that to me in respect of my hair. No, when I was at uni or I was actually a bit before uni, so I was about 18, I was living in a crazy student house in Melbourne and I used to make curries. I'm a huge fan of the curry and I love spicy food and I used to make curries for say 20, 30 people at a time and they had a lot of ginger in it. So yeah, I just got the nickname, nickname Ginger and it stuck. It just stuck like glue and in fact I feel more like a ginger than a Claire. And I love my ginger, she's really cool. <laughs> Do you, Ginger? Do you get hot-headed when people throw you in the pool? I feel like in radio you're thrown in the pool all the time, <laughs> perhaps metaphorically. That's Ginger by Tasmanian Stu Tanner from Cradle, his album Cradle in 2000. But if there is only one Ginger Gorman at the ABC, it's amazing to think that in this huge, enormous organisation, there are actually two Claire Gormans. Have you met yes, the other Claire are. Gorman? I have, and she's so gorgeous. So this is one of the strangest things that has happened to me in my life. And I've, you know, I've been through a few things. So to say that is quite something. I joined the ABC in about 2002 and I was sitting in the ABC office in central Victoria and I got this pay slip that had my name on it. And it had been redirected from our Sydney office. And I just ripped it open. And it had this huge amount of money that this person <laughs> was being paid. And I thought, you know what, that is not meant for me. And I just ripped it up and threw it in the bin. And then about a week later, I got this email. And the email said, do you want to go to Noodles in half an hour? And it was from someone else in the ABC. And I looked at this name and I thought, am I going mad? Like, I just do not know who this is. And perhaps on a bit of an instinct or a whim, I went to the ABC internal phone book on the internet and I typed in Claire Gorman. And this Claire Gorman in Ultimo in Sydney came up and this phone number. And I looked at it and thought, oh my goodness. And I rang this number and lo and behold, this person picked up the phone and she said, this is Claire Gorman. And at which point I said, this is also Claire Gorman. 
And this Wait, is Claire Gorman. This is Claire Gorman talking to Claire Gorman, but not to herself or themselves. When I first discovered it, I found it a bit unnerving, I must say. I had, I'd always imagined that I was quite singular, I suppose, that um, here I was, this sort of Irish Catholic kid who was from the country and my name was Claire and, you know, that, that I was kind of unique and singular in some way. But it had, funnily enough, it came quite easily to me. And after we had our phone call, Claire, we subsequently met on a number of occasions and had a great time together. So I'm happy to be sharing my name with someone like you. <laughs> you know, I think after I got over the shock that you had the same name as me, mm. but once I met with you and I realised we actually had quite a lot of things in common and I found some of the adventures that you had quite incredible I almost then wanted to find similarities with you as if you were, what do they call it, a doppelganger in A German. doppelganger, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I wonder if in part that's, um, I mean, it's a, it's a kind of romantic connection, if you like, isn't it, that, that you come across someone the same name and you have these great sim, this great similarity of interest. It's so weird. I once met a cousin called Sunil Badami, and I felt really weird when I met him. Like he was, I felt like I was in Being Sunil Badami, the sequel to Being John Malkovich. <laughs> Did you like him, Sunil? I really liked him, but I couldn't, it was kind of weird because I kind of wanted to be, see what similarities we had, even though, you know, he was much better looking than me and more successful. But, you know, the thing about the other Claire Gorman is she has a really interesting job in ABC Policy. And when I get her emails, I am not meant to see those. They say I, I get things that are her commercial. Yeah, I get things that are commercial in confidence, and I am not meant to be looking at those. And before that, she had a job in complaints. Now, oh. anybody in the ABC know you know they know the kind of brutal, vicious, nasty complaints that we get sometimes. So these were complaints about individual presenters and things. And I used to see them and go, whoa, oh, my gosh, I am so not meant to be looking at this. This is not meant for me. So well, if any complaints come in about Bernadette Young, I'm absolutely sure it's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> There's another uh, Ginger Gorman. I-, I don't know what she does, but she's based in the States and she is an horrendous singer. She is not a good singer. If you go to YouTube and you look her up, you will cringe. Are you sure it's not you at karaoke, Ginger? Definitely not not me, no. Well, thank you, Bern. Or or should I say Bernadette Rose? And thank you, Ginger. Or should I say Claire Jane? Please don't. Thanks so much. That was 91.7 ABC Coast FM brekkie presenter Bern Young. And presenter and producer Ginger Gorman from Triple Six ABC Canberra. You can hear Burn every weekday on 91.7 ABC Coast FM, Brecky from 5am, and Ginger with Genevieve Jacobs on the morning show in Canberra from 9am weekdays. We've got a link to their shows and profiles and stories on their names on our website. Do check it out. Sunday Takeaway with Sunil Badami. Does your name, how, how much of your life is determined by your name? You know, we talk about things like gender and race influencing your experience of the world, but it turns out that your name 
also influences not only the way you're treated, but your own behaviour. You might remember Ginger talking about uh, Professor Richard Wiseman, who wrote an article called, Is Your Name to Blame for Your Unhappiness? Well, we've got an expert here who's looked quite a lot at discrimination and behavioural economics and how your name can determine not just your personality, but your life's course. Now, he's, he's, he's a lecturer in behavioural economics and was named 2009 Best Australian Economist Under 40 by the Economic Society of Australia. Uh, he lectures at the Queensland University of Technology. But before we start, Professor Paul, how do I pronounce your surname? Paul Freiters, and I currently work at uh, the University of Queensland, Chanel. Sorry, the University of Queensland. <laughs> Freiters. Now, has your name affected your success? Or happiness uh, I def- in life? I definitely think that uh, I've been lucky in my name uh, because I'm the only Paul Friders working in academia. Uh, and so people find it very easy to find me online and I don't have to share my references or my, my articles. And so it's not too long a name. It's relatively easy to spell. And so it, you, you, you pop up immediately on every Google search. Uh, and that is a real advantage in my line of work. Have you ever met another Paul Freiters? Uh There are two others. I mean, as everybody else uh, um, that you talked to previously, we've, we've all Googled our own names to see who else is out there. Uh, and so there are two others, and they're in fact part of the same family, um, but they live somewhere in the Netherlands and I've never met them. <laughs> just this week, just this week, Oliver Farry in The New Statesman wrote how a writer's name can determine their success. You know, uh, a lot of uh, women writers like, J.K. You know, uh, J- mm-hmm. Rowling or S.E. Hinton were encouraged by their publishers to use their initials rather mm-hmm. than their names so that male readers wouldn't necessarily be, um, you know, less averse to reading books by women. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a recent study by, I think, uh, Peter, uh, Dr. Layam, uh, Simon Layam at the University of Melbourne called The Name Pronunciation Effect by people like Mr. Smith more, more than Mr. Cahoon in the Journal of Experimental <laughs> Social Psychology, which is great, except, you know, for someone like me whose name was always mispronounced growing up, mm-hmm. it kind of seems a little bit, you know disheartening. And that, to add to it, you've been studying something known as alphabetical discrimination. What's that? Um, well, uh, I've not ever myself done uh, explicit analyses or research on to name discrimination, but I've, I've, I've seen it by other people. Um, and so alphabetic discrimination is when, as it were, the order in the alphabet that you are matters for your life success. And the most obvious example of this is where People look at a list uh, uh, and they, they, they want some service, such as, let's say, a cleaner or a pizza, and they just go for the top of the list. They go for what starts with an A. And so if you go to the yellow pages, you'll find that a lot of companies and individuals uh, manipulate their own names so that they appear earlier on in the alphabet. Well, um, of course, you- the very successful AAA aardvark is doing mm-hmm. much better than the very unsuccessful Z <laughs> zigzag. There you go. There you go. It's a great example. And and you see this definitely in academia, whereby orders of authors uh, uh, are usually alphabetical. And so it helps to be early in the alphabet. People remember the first author, but they don't remember the last one. I looked at a, a study by some American economists. That's Lira and Inev of Star- uh, Stanford and Leah mm-hmm. Yariv of the California Institute of Technology, Pasadena. They analyzed surnames by academics. And what did they find? 
Well, they found exactly what we were just talking about, which is that if you're early on in the alphabet, you're more likely to be uh, first in uh, in line, and then you're more likely to be remembered for having written a well-known article. And this turns out to be important enough that you're even more likely to be a Nobel Prize winner and be in top apartments. So it really uh, yeah matters for your life success in, in academia, in particular in economics, where by its very use uh, normal to uh, to go in alphabetical order. So most people would just quote the first author of the um, paper and therefore they would get all the kudos. They would, they would. Uh, human beings, even academics, are, are somewhat lazy and we don't want to pronounce free authors. We normally go with the first one and call the rest et al. And so uh, I, I guess if you're called et al, that would be great, but if you're not... Are there any academics who have changed their name to ETL? Well, there has been quite a bit of manipulation in, in academia, and I, I would suspect you're going to get more of it. So uh, if someone marries, and particularly this is true for women, they, of course, have the option to switch to the name of the husband. And if they do this early on in their career, they might switch to uh, something that's earlier on in the alphabet. But for instance, in Germany and Holland, you've got lots of people who are called Van or Von something, and that, of course, gives you two bites of the cherry. So the V is rather late in the alphabet, so normally they, they sort of then accentuate what comes after the Von. But if you're con, uh, called uh, Von Zeppelin or something, uh, you, you put the V first, I think. But if you've got a, a letter near the end of the alphabet... Um, mm-hmm. You're more likely, I've heard, to develop greater patience, especially when you're lining up or waiting for your name to be called on the roll. Well, uh, this is sort of making the best of a bad situation, I guess, right? But uh, when it comes to the choice between either being successful and well-remembered or being patient for not being well-remembered or successful, then I I think most people are going to opt for the first one. Um, Are there certain names that give you a better chance in life? Um, I think this is very society-dependent. So within society, there's usually some kind of implicit rank ordering of, uh, of, of the desirability of various groups. Uh, and so people use names to discriminate whether or not you're from the favorite group or not. So, you know, in, if you're in India, for instance, it helps if you have a very Brahmin name. Uh, in Australia, it would help if you have a very Anglo-Saxon sounding name over and above all the other uh, types of names that you may have. So uh, I would say that probably matters more than what what, what position you have in the alphabet. Um, but people are very careful about this, and you see quite a few uh, new immigrants coming in who who then deliberately change their name to sound uh, as the desirable group. So they give their kids very Anglo-Saxon-sounding names to fit in and and to sort of be given jobs and all that. Like the treasurer himself, whose family are Palestinian Christians, whose original name was Hakim, but changed Mm -hmm. it to Hockey. You know, yep. to avoid those um, associations. Is there, what's the economic cost of having a name that's hard to pronounce or that's lower in the list? Um, well, well, no one's done a, a real proper study on this anywhere in the world as far as uh, I'm aware, and, and that's because the, the large data sets don't give out people's names, right? They, they want to protect the privacy of the, the people in their databases, and so there's, in fact, not all that much hard data on this. Um, but the, the, the cost in, in countries where there is a very strong degree of ethnic or racial uh, grouping and where that really matters can be absolutely enormous. Uh, I would say in a country like Australia, it doesn't matter so much, but it matters a bit. Right? You don't want to have a very difficult name because it's hard to pronounce, it's hard to find you on the internet because you're more likely to make mistakes. Um, and people then often go for a, a simpler sounding name uh, if, if it's on the, some sort of list. Right? You, you go for the name that wouldn't embarrass you if you'd had to pronounce it. Um, but 
I, when I was a kid, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, I hated people mispronouncing my name, and so I, mm-hmm. I decided to change it. But a name seems so much a part of your identity. Like I look at my children, and my wife chose their names, and they can't be anyone else but Leela or Maya to me. Um, and I don't feel like anyone else but a Sunil. Um, should we change our names? Is there is, is what are the psychological implications? I guess in terms of changing your name or to try and make it a better name. Yeah, well, I, I think that's a very good point. Right, that to a certain extent, people are stuck with the name that they've been given early on in life and got so attached to it that even if there are certain costs to it, you you will very often find them loath to change. Um, but of course, that means that the people who are lucky in their names, to a certain extent, have a lifelong advantage because the rest is not going to change their name to catch up. Uh, so it, it protects the people with the right name, if you like. Um, and so what this means is that particularly as parents, it really pays to uh, to put some attention towards what name you're going to give your kids. Uh, and so parents do this as well, right? They make say, uh, sure that the acronyms don't sound offensive or, or can be made fun of. Um, they usually, uh, or at least in, in my own case, and uh, I'm sure the same would have been the case for you when you were choosing the names for your kids, you, you try and choose something that is easily pronounceable in various cultures because you are aware that they might live in different places and that they have to um, interact with different ethnicities and different groups. Um, and uh, if at all possible, you, you even sort of uh, um, play the game of, well, whose parents' surname are we going to take uh, and pick the one that's earlier on in the alphabet or has the more desirable ethnic name. So, Paul, do you have children yourself? I do. I have three. And do they have your surname or your wife's surname? They, they have my surname. Uh, that was because at the time when, uh, when my kids were born, this was still the norm uh, in the Netherlands where uh, the first two were born. It was certainly also the norm here in Australia where the last one was born. Um, though, to be fair, my brother, who also has three kids, uh, coin-tossed his wife uh, about it, right? They, they sort of flipped the coin <laughs> and <laughs> sort of decided what their kids were going to be called. I think it's it's it, it, it's a really amazing thing. I wish I had actually even thought about it. I, you know, I guess it's all those old sociology classes about patriarchy and stuff. But mm-hmm. it kind of seems unfair that the person who has to give birth doesn't get to keep. You know, the children don't take their identity from that person. I know, I know. But on the other hand, I mean, as uh, as a guy um, in a culture where virtually everybody else's kids are, are called after the guy. You, you feel a bit like a schmuck if you're the odd one out. So there's a, there's a high barrier to switching, I think. So you, you don't see it a lot. I don't hear often that people uh, choose the, the name of the wife for their kids. You, you hear about it, but not much. Oh, I applaud them, actually. Tell me, um, do you, how does your name affect your behavior or personality? We've se- you, you've explained how it may affect you getting jobs or being quoted in academia, but we all, my mum, as my mum always used to say, stones and sticks may shake your mm-hmm. skeletons, but names mm-hmm. can only hurt you. She kind of got it a little wrong because English is not her first language, but how can names affect us? Well, I mean, as you say, names are, are very much a brand in our life, right? This is the uh, this is the calling card ticket that we have to the rest of the world. And to a certain extent, w- one should expect this to become more and more important in our societies over time as names become the main way by which we find each other uh, on the Internet. And, and we'll even find each other as partners, right? When increasingly people use electronic ma- means to find their partners, name discrimination is going to be even more important than it was in the past. Um, now, I'm not aware of 
much research as to whether you know you're going to be pestered with a particular name or not. But I, uh, it, you certainly, uh, I know this from my own family, uh, and I know this from my friends, that people have changed their names because they go to a different culture and their names mean something offensive. So I, for instance, have Dutch friends who had a, a, a boy called Kuhn, which is a, a perfectly normal name in the Netherlands. In fact, it means, uh, you know, uh, sturdy and... Uh, um, you're, you're, you're sort of full of courage, uh, but of course, in the English language, it means something else, uh, and so they had to change it. So he's now called Robert. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and this is what people have to do in their life, right? You, you sort of have to have to go with the punches a little bit. Um, have you done any work on nominative predeterminism? I know it's really prevalent in the medical community. My parents were doctors, and I had a dermatologist called Doctor Skinner. I had a I had a maxillofacial surgeon called Doctor Fang. Right? I won't tell you what my proctologist was called. Well, I shudder to think. <laughs> Have you done anything in terms of the effects of nominative predeterminism? Well, there 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 is there, there is some reason to suspect that it is not entirely accidental, right? That that people go into the kind of professions which. Um, go with their names, uh, and partly, of course, it is because at an early age uh, we'd have been uh, we'd, we'd have been directed to this by our, our, our friends and our surroundings, you know, who sort of say, "Oh well, uh, uh, Skinner, you're likely to end up as this, you're likely to end up that." So it plays in the back of your mind, you know, that this is a possibility, and that it becomes a joke that you start to live with. Um, but more importantly, a lot of names, of course, derive from what your family used to do because a lot of names were uh, were sort of invented at the time of Napoleon or, or later on when people moved between countries. They can actually choose names. As you said, your your grandfather chose the, the name of the family. Well, uh, and, and people often go for professions. So, you know, Jack the Butcher, well, you can bet your bottom dollar there's a butcher there somewhere in the family, and so he's more likely to become a butcher. What's the meaning of the surname Freitas? Well, we don't actually know. It's it's been traced back to the 15th century. And it might be uh, the same um, root as the word word writing. So it might be a writer. It might be the same root as free, or it might be the same root as writhing, as in writhing in the earth. Uh, there have been no notable Freitas ever in the history of, of the Freitas clan, if you like. Right? We go back five centuries, and there are thousands of them, but none of them have ever amounted to much. So my own... Uh, Apart from you. Well, not even me. I mean, look, my grandfather was a manure merchant, uh, and so there's a, there's a whole line of peasants, basically. There's, there's, there's no one who was ever royalty or exceptionally rich, right? So we, 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 we're sort of, um, yeah, unremarkable uh, family, but in that sense, we're, we're quite happy, and we've slipped uh, below the radar. No, no one's ever gone after us either. <laughs> it's interesting because my um, family, originally our surname was Rao, R-A-O, which is a kind of honorific in the south of India. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was so annoyed by being confused with so many other Rao's, some of <laughs> whom he didn't like, um, he changed his name to Badami, which is the name of a small town in the middle of nowhere in mm-hmm. South India. Mm-hmm. Now, weirdly, in India, you know, similar to what you said about uh, names being a clue to what your family did, a name in India tells someone immediately what your religion is, what your caste is, what your language is, where you're from in the country, whether you're a Chatterjee from mm-hmm. Bengal or you're a Singh from the Punjab, right? Mm-hmm. 
But when I say my surname, Badami, people have a complete blank in India. It's even more of a blank than they might have in Australia. And the funny thing is, is that I used to watch these Hollywood blockbusters and I would see an editor called Bob Badami and I thought, wonder if one of our relatives is famous in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. But as it turns out... There is another town in the south of Sicily, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> called Badamo, and the people from there call mm-hmm. themselves Badamis. Okay. <laughs> so, you, <laughs> south of Sicily, hey? So, yeah. is, is that the association I would, I would give it or not? Are they then afraid of you? Is it sort of, I'm not going to mess with you, Chenille? Yeah, yeah. Well, see, so south of India would definitely get whipped by south of Italy. Don't you worry. Okay. Unless it was mathletics. Well... I mean, I've been to India twice, and I was struck how important names are there, right? People really uh, have, a, have a first cut in terms of who they will marry and to whom they will hire based on people's names. And so uh, you hear a lot of people in India changing their names deliberately so that it's not clear that they were like, like one of the untouchables, for instance, the Dalits. Mm. Uh, and you see this often in the civil service where there's a bit of a positive discrimination. So they, they deliberately hire some groups more than others. Uh, and those people quite often adopt a name like Kumar, which is sort of uh, generic Smith, right? So that, that so that the, it, it's sort of hidden what their actual ancestry was. My children, um, I, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, my wife got to choose the names for our children, but I did say, oh, could we please have Indian names? Because, you know, they will probably not marry someone who's Indian and their children will have very different names. What's going to happen, what do you see happening with alphabetical or otherwise discrimination in terms of, um, I guess, people from different cultures marrying each other? You know, Mm -hmm. lots of uh, Yuki Smiths or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Bob Badamis or whatever. Well, I, I think Yuki Smith is actually a great name because it, it, it is then quite unique, right? I, I, I wouldn't imagine there'd be many Yuki Smiths. And so it's, it, it again has this advantage that you're the only one who's going to pop up on a Google search and in Facebook. Um, but uh, I would think over time, uh, if, uh, if, if modern society with its branding is going to continue like it is, that you're going to gra- get a gradual move towards more and more people with names lower in the alphabet. They're going to do better and other people are going to deliberately change your name. So, you know, the, the Chinese might start to choose more for uh, Chinese names low in the alphabet, like Chen and abandoned things late in the alphabet, like Zhao. Um, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, advising my own kids that maybe F is, is a little bit far in the alphabet and that uh, they should choose something with a B or an A. Maybe a silent B in front of Freitas. Exactly, Buffreitas. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Paul. You can read Paul's book, An Economic Theory of Greed, Love, Groups and Networks, published by Cambridge University Press by clicking on his name on our webpage, where you can also download the podcast and subscribe to future ones too. You're on Sunday Takeaway with me, Sunil Badami, on your ABC local radio. This is Sunday Takeaway with Sunil Badami on ABC local radio. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I used to hate my name. You know, people always mispronounced it. And when my mum found out, she told me the real meaning of my name. Well, according to mum, Sunil is Sanskrit for the breeze that blows the snow at sunset off Shiva's head on Mount Everest every thousand years on his birthday. But when my wife April and I were thinking about what to call our kids, we were in this bookshop 
and we found this book of Indian names and we discovered its real meaning. And April said to me, oh, well, do you think your name's in here? And I said, are you joking? What with the sunset and Mount Everest and the ice cave and every thousand years, it's bound to be a whole chapter. Well, as it turns out, it was only two little words. And you know what they were? Dark one. Thanks, Mum, from Dark Blowy One. In the meantime, you can download this and every other program to follow from as a podcast from iTunes or website. Just Google us or Friends Sunday Takeaway on Facebook. And you can follow us on Twitter at ABC Takeaway. This is Harry Connick Jr. with I Could Only Whisper Your Name. Coming up, James O'Loughlin and Sunday Evenings. Just whispered your name Somebody was saying something About there being 